Amen. Sorry, my throat was dry. All right, so as I was getting ready for this uh, um, message today, obviously we're still in our, our series called The Power of God. Have you guys been joining The Power of God lately? You know, when I first brought it up about five weeks ago, it really was so broad. You know, and I, and I knew I wanted to talk about God's power, you know, rightfully so. You know, I always want to talk about God, his power, his goodness, his faithfulness. Um, but there are certain things in our lives, uh, you know, that I wanted to make sure we understood we can have God in that area too. You know, um, we've gone through so many things over the weeks. And I mean, just to remind you guys, if you missed a message or you want to just kind of reflect and go back, rlcholland.com and then click on messages and you'll be able to find the, uh, um, the archive of all the other messages and beyond. I think there's like two years worth on there. You can go back to any message. So that's rlcholland.com and you guys can catch up. But today I'm going to give you a twofer. You guys know what a twofer is? I think it's right. It's two for one. Yes, all right, cool. I'm caught up. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, so I got this message I want to give, but we're getting ready for something in the new year. And I was like, well, why can't I give two messages in one? Like, why, why can't I hit two birds with one stone? I'm good with stones. I slayed a giant before, you know. I want to hit two birds with one stone. And so today, you guys are getting a twofer. And the reason why is because I really want to make this announcement. By the way, Impact, you are dismissed. Impact, 5th, 6th, 7th graders, you are dismissed to go to your classrooms. Forgive me on that one. So when you, when you look at the, um, what we're going to the new year, we're getting ready for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Everyone quiet. Amen. There we go. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was either, it was either an amen or stomach rumbling. You know, because when I say fasting, like the stomach just starts growling for some reason, you know. But on January 7th, on January 7th, we're going to be starting our, our church 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to have prayer focus. Uh, Wednesday evenings are still open to everybody. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm inviting everybody, come in those days and let's pray some things out for the new year. There's always power when you give God the first and the best fruits of your life, like 2019, you know. And when we come together in prayer and we just believe in God, we are fulfilling something in our lives. You know, that word fasting is not really popular in the Christian world. And God and Jesus demonstrates and commands us to do it, if you didn't know that. You know, there's been a lot of debate on, well, that was then and this is now. Look, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He hasn't returned yet. He's coming back. Then we'll feast and have fun. But in the meantime... We're going to be continually seeking the face of God. You know, the purpose of our 21 days of prayer and fasting is to fulfill a, a desire that we have uh, and the, that we want, an intimacy desire that we want with our God. You know, other, will say, other people will say it this way. I just want to seek him more. I want to know him more. Have you ever heard some, someone say that or maybe you were the one that was saying that? That is an indicator that you have a desire to have intimacy with your God. And one way to fulfill that is through prayer and fasting. There's just something about fasting that, that just initiates and triggers it, uh, us in our hearts to see more and, and things be revealed even at a, at a broader position. You know, King David, in the book of Psalms, King David, he actually goes to the wilderness of Judah. And he prays out to God in, in chapter uh, 63, starting with uh, verse 1 through 3. And he says this, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. He says, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power. Everyone say power. He says, I, I, I search for you in the sanctuary. I want to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better, is better, is better than life. David's in the wilderness where there is no water. Let me tell you something. I told you the story before, but last summer we went to sleep in Bear Dunes. We hiked for three hours not on accident. It wasn't on purpose, okay? We brought no water, and it was like 90, 95 degree weather. It was terrible. It was terrible. I was like, you're kidding me. I'm in the middle of a desert right now. There's so much sand. It got so bad because I walked barefooted that my skin, I don't want to be graphic, but my skin peeled off of my foot. It was bad. We were dehydrating. We were, de we were dying. I'm not lying. I am not kidding. We were dying. We're like, let's keep going. An hour later, I'm like, are you kidding me? I remember looking around. And I said, I, I, I know how the Israelites feel in the wilderness. I now know how it feels. Because I was thinking sleeping bear dunes is up a hill, down a hill. Praise the Lord. Lake Michigan, swim, up a hill, down a hill, we're back. No, it was up a hill, up another hill, up another, like ten times. Ten times. And when we finally made it to the destination, it looked exactly like Tunnel Park. I was like, you're kidding me. Like I could have just gone to Tunnel Park. <laughs> you're kidding me. <laughs> All I know, and after the journey was over, three hours go by, because it was a two-mile two hike there, two-mile hike back, you know. And I remember, I couldn't even enjoy the water because I was so thirsty. I'm going to be honest with you, I drank a little bit of Lake Michigan. That's how, that's how thirsty I was. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I was thirsty. Oh, man. I'm having flashbacks now, so... <laughs> But when we went back and we finally, it was all said and done. Actually, my wife got really sick and had to miss out her whole, we were at a conference and she missed out the whole evening session because she got so sick um, from the heat. Uh, it was not a fun experience. But we're like, hey, next year, babe, let's do it one more time, you know. <laughs> but we kept saying if we only had a bottle of water, that's it. If we just had some water, I think we would have done a little bit better. You know, I think we would have we been Okay. And here's the thing, I, I think about David's scenario, and he says, he's in the wilderness of Judah, and he has, and the Bible just strictly told us that, where there was no water, there was no water. So I can, I can envision now where David's at, and in the natural, he's probably thirsty and hungry, but listen to the words that he was saying. He says, I, I, I'm looking for you, I'm looking for your power, God. I want you, God. I want you to manifest before me. His hunger in the natural was little compared to the hunger he had spiritually speaking. He had the desire. He had that intimacy. And let me tell you something. Every single time God filled David, every single time in his life, David was promoted somewhere else, ultimately becoming the king of Israel. Ultimately. Because his hunger and his thirst for God was bigger than his hunger and thirst for food. He, he, there was just something about this fasting thing, about just neglecting for a season food so I can encounter my God. And yeah, he felt it. And he even acknowledged it where there was no water. He acknowledged it. It's just dry here. But his hunger and thirst for God was way bigger. When we enter into 21 day of prayer and fasting, my prayer is this, that our hunger grows for God. And I wish I can tell you, hey, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's, you're going to feel it. 
I'm just being out. You're going to feel it. But there is going to be great reward behind it. And what's really going to fill you to the point where this is not bothering you anymore is his love, his intimacy, his goodness in your life. You know, in Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said it this way. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not for a cheeseburger, but for righteousness. Okay? He says, for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He says, you'll be filled once you hunger and thirst for righteousness. So when you take, about, when you take these two scriptures, in other words, what they're saying is it's a time for us to focus not on the natural, but on the supernatural thing, on the spiritual side of things for our life. You know, I've, I've read this book called Fasting by Jensen Franklin. And some of you guys might know it. It was actually a book that we had way back when, when we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. And by the way, I do recommend that book. Get your hands on a copy of Jensen Franklin's Fasting. Because the guys got it. The teachings are solid. Biblical sound teachings are inside. Well, here's the thing. I, I remember reading that book, and there was a chapter called King's Stomach. You guys ever hear that? You guys know what I'm talking about? King's Stomach. You know, and there are times in a battle that we face on earth that when we enter into the season of fasting where, where our biggest enemy is not the devil. It's the stomach. It's the stomach. You know, and there are times where you, you want to surrender and submit, and then we go into this war and this battle. And then sometimes we fall, sometimes we conquer. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it never had to do with the food. It had to do with the encounter with God. You see, I've, I've had conversations, even in the book, he talks a little bit about some conversations. People say, well, I messed up. I'm done. I threw the white flag and it's over. No, 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 no. Then you're missing the point because it's, a fasting is not a diet and see how long you can hang. That's not what the purpose is. It's about just saying I want to put this to the side for a little bit so I can have an intimacy and an encounter with my heavenly father. And if I slipped once, God's not mad at me. Right. Okay, the devil will do this and points, ah, you, you messed up, you were wrong. That is not the purpose. But we build in our faith, we build in our strength, and the more it becomes a practice in our life, the, the better and smoother it becomes, the more disciplined you are to following through the steps that God has for us. And so when I read this book, it really brought a lot of perspective of who King Stomach was. And because I had that knowledge, it helped me overcome the point where I could say no to certain things because I want to get with my God, whether it was through a worship or, or reading or some, some intimacy time or maybe just simply being around church family because I started getting filled and fueled. You know, fasting also, a lot of us, we come into fasting believing for something, rightfully so because we've entered in that season. But understand that fasting is not about manipulating God to give you what you want. That's not what it is. But what it is, is fasting is getting us ready in our hearts to receive God's answer. To receive, I'm going to say that again, to receive God's answer. Not Jesse's answer, not your answer, God's answer. He gets our hearts ready for that. And so when we enter into the season, when we, when we line everything up, we're just getting ourselves ready to say, not my will, <laughs> your will be done. In my life. You see, uh, you guys know about the story of my father-in-law four, about four years ago, babe, three years ago. Um, he passed away and, uh, about three years ago. But seven, eight years ago, he came to Christ. 
through a 21-day prayer and fasting. And, and just a long story short, uh, you know, on the last day of the last hour that my wife was believed for his salvation, he calls my wife from Oklahoma City and says, hey, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, which was a phenomenal party for her. I was sleeping, but it's all good. You know, I celebrated the next morning. But here, here's what I'm saying. It was because of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, the reason why I brought that up is not because of that side. My, father, my father-in-law passed away a, a few years back, and, and um, he ended up, he had a wife. Her name was Esther, 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 and when we were talking, we were having some coffee and uh, pan dulce, that's sweet bread in Spanish, I'm learning. <laughs> and so we ended up, you know, we were just kind of chatting, and she shared a story, and the story was this. You know, when I met your dad, she was saying to Marty, when I met your dad, I just knew him as a friend. And I know he didn't have Jesus in her heart, and she was sold out to Jesus. So I entered into a 21 day of prayer and fasting. And that season, that last day, he gave his life to Jesus. Wait, what? And we were putting, we just started going back and forth and putting pieces together. And from Holland, Michigan, two people praying, one daughter earnestly praying for her dad to receive Christ. And on the other side of the United States and Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma City, another lady who just knew him realized there's something about prayer and fasting. And I'm believing that his salvation is going to come. We didn't find out until like five, six years later that we were on the same page. With, there's just, what I'm saying is there's just something about prayer and fasting where God activates. And it is so cool to see stories behind the scenes years later when you see, God, God you were faithful. And the reason why I bring that up is because God answered. He got our hearts ready to, and gave us an answer. And when we fast forward, he did go home with the Lord, something we didn't ever wanted, okay? But at the end of the day, when we look at the grand scheme of it all, He's home with the Lord. And that's because of a result of someone fasting for somebody else. God is in the business. There's just something about us separating from the natural for a little bit. Let's encounter God. Let's be in tune with God so we can be in tune with him and be an impact in this world. You know, when we give it to God, in other words, it releases God's power in our life. It releases God's power. You know... Giving it to God is an act of obedience. Now I'm going into the second message, okay? Remember that twofer I was telling you guys about? Part two, okay, here it is. But giving it to God is an act of obedience. And today I wanted to simply talk to you guys about how the power of God is activated the moment we come into obedience with God. When we obey his word, when we come into his word. But check this out, church. Obedience starts with a surrendered heart. You can't walk in obedience with your heavenly father until you've surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. You can try. You can try. But let me tell you something. It becomes your own strength and your own works. And you try to earn it with God. And God says, if you would just surrender your heart to me, it's a gift to you. It's a gift for you to have. You know, in Proverbs 23, 26, it says it this way. Oh, my son. Give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. In other words, it's not trying to walk in obedience on your own strength. The point is this, that we need to rest in Christ's obedience. 
You see, when Jesus walked this earth, if I can kind of draw it out for you, when Jesus walked this earth, okay, he walked a blameless life. The man with no sin. The only man on earth that was able to do so. But he was doing it for all of mankind. Because the mission that he had on earth. And God understood it so much that he sent his son to the cross. And allowed him to take this journey because he knew that the redemption side was about to come. And everything, every junk that we've got, all the brokenness that we've gone through in this earth... Now there's hope, now there's redemption, now there's reconciliation because of one son, Jesus Christ. But we simply have to submit and give and surrender our hearts to God. You know, that word surrender really fights with our thoughts because when you think surrender, you think of you lost. When we think of I I, I surrender, I give up, or mercy. Have you ever played that mercy game, you know, with your hands? You guys know what I'm talking about? And you're like, you're ready to go at it. And the moment, the, the, the object of the game is the moment you say mercy, you surrender. You give up and they'll let go, okay? And so we get in this game and you crank it. And I took out my sisters all the time. I was like, <laughs> I'm a big brother, okay? <laughs> no, but when you play that game and, you, you know, I played with friends and stuff. And you're just going back and forth. And, and the object and the mindset is, I'm not going to give up. I don't care how hard it gets, and I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to, uh, mercy, mercy. You know, you get into this. And then, and then they talk. and all. The concept, even as child, children, the concept of surrender just seems negative. It seems so bad. It seems like I lost. I'm not strong enough. But God's saying, no, 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 no. My definition of surrender is saying you need me. When you surrender your heart, you're not saying you lost. You're not saying mercy. You're saying, I need you, God, and I want you, God. And because of that mindset, because of that heart, that's where God intervenes. So so for us to, to walk and act in obedience, it first starts with the surrendered heart to Jesus Christ. That's why every Sunday I give an opportunity to accept Christ. You see, because this is between you and God. You have an opportunity to surrender your heart to Jesus. You know, again, the whole point is to follow him and his obedience and him alone, not in your own obedience. A lot of times the Bible will use this uh, um, illustration and they have stories with shepherds and sheep, right? Shepherds and sheep. And every time the shepherd led somewhere or said something, the sheep would follow, no matter if they didn't speak the same language. They just knew, and they followed. They walked in obedience to where the shepherd called them to go. But the shepherd would always protect them and lay his life down for them. And because of it, they laid safe in pastures. They ate the good of the land, a lot of times with what the Bible would say. And he would always reference that to Christ and the church and how we can continue to be led. But we have to act in obedience and rest in obedience of Jesus Christ. Um, the other day, I think it was about four days ago, I was, I'm, I've been studying the book of Luke lately, just on my own time. And I ran into this passage and I felt like, you know what, I'm going to read this to you guys. I'm going to see what God's going to say and do to your life. But I think this is perfect for our next point, how God delights in obedience. When we rest and we walk in obedience. And this is Jesus. Okay, so the story goes like this. The word, the, the word is being spread about Jesus He's just got water baptized. He went through the wilderness uh, and was tempted. He, he came out of it. He starts calling his disciples. So crowds are following Jesus everywhere he goes. But check what the Bible says in this passage. This is Luke chapter 5, the first 11 verses. And it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, 
I think I said that right. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So again, visualize people, crowds of people, because they wanted to simply hear the word of God. They're following Jesus everywhere he goes. So there's a crowd everywhere, okay? Verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So imagine at the edge of the water, Jesus sees these boats, and these fishermen, they're cleaning their nets. They're done for the day, okay? But they left the boats hanging right there. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, okay, and asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. All right, so I can see what Jesus is doing. He needs some space, okay, because he really wants to amplify and give this teaching to everybody. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is the boat owner, okay, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. All right, I want to say, I'm really hoping you're visualizing this. Jesus told him, he's done speaking, he's done ministering, all right? These guys are done for the day. They cleaned their nets, and he says, hey, go to deeper waters, and go throw your nets that you just cleaned, okay? And it took you probably a long time, and get ready for a catch. Simon has an opportunity to obey or not. He has an opportunity to obey or not obey. I mean, you look look at the, uh, uh, the, the natural side of things, okay? I just got done cleaning this stuff. I just reeled in my boats. I told them to all my, the employees to go home already. <laughs> and you want me to go out there again into deeper waters and recast my... Okay, watch what happens. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. <laughs> I can hear it in his voice. We worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But, everyone will say but. Because you say so. I will let down the nets. Because you said, I will go do what you want me to do. That's obedience. Verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They caught so much that their equipment couldn't hold it. Verse 7, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. There are more than one boat that's full. With Okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit, okay? Let's, we'll stop right there for a second. Let's go back to verse 4. Okay, and let's listen to the words of Jesus. Again, when I was studying this, it really intrigued so much of how Jesus works. Okay, and he says this in verse 4. When he had had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Okay, he called him into deeper waters and guaranteed him there's going to be a catch. He didn't say, maybe you'll catch something. Maybe you'll go get something. He says, no, 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 let's go to deeper waters and let's go get that catch. Okay? How many times does God, when we obey, we follow what he wants us to do in our life, we're doing it, things are great, and God calls you to deeper waters. He says, I need you to come out here for a second because there's going to be a big catch. And we wrestle with ourselves. We talk to ourselves, and I just got done doing this. I need a break, you know, or I just worked hard on this thing, God, and it was for all of you. But God was saying, I still need you to come to deeper waters. And when there is obedience, 
When there is obedience, blessings always follow. Not only that, blessings are so big, you can't contain it alone. You have to bless other people. You have to. That's how God works. That's how the kingdom of God operates. It's not a selfish mindset. It's a selfless living and how God works. And Jesus, he says, hey, hey, go to deeper waters and let's get that catch. And it's funny how Simon was still kind of contemplating, Jesus, we just, we just worked hard. So you could see, do I obey or not obey? Because in the natural, I just, I, man, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I worked all night hard. And I just got done cleaning my equipment. I'm just done. <laughs> Who has kids here? Right? Make some noise. Or if you had kids when they were younger, you ever clean the living room and, the bed and, the, and everything? And as soon as you're done, you turn around and it's like, ah, ah, what? What? I just got done cleaning. <laughs> I just got done cleaning. And they do it stealth mode, man. It's like they show up and then they're gone and it's like a mess. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> I turned away for 10 minutes. I'm venting now, guys. <laughs> but you got to imagine that feeling that Simon was having in his life, you know, and at that moment. But again, he chose to obey. Let's go to verse 8 now. Let's, let's finish it off. And it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. He started feeling unworthy. I don't deserve this blessing. God, I don't deserve what you just did and how you blessed me and you love me. And it's so cool to see Jesus and how he interacts with them. He says, for, uh, verse 9, for he and all the companions were astonished at the catch of, of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, okay? From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So Jesus does this miracle. He does this thing. He, because of an act of obedience, a blessing came on Simon Peter. Peter feels unworthy of it. But, but Jesus tells them, no, 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 you are worth something. And because of that, because of your obedience, you're no longer going to fish for fish. You're going to fish for people now. Promotion. That's how Jesus works when you activate in his and rest in his obedience. Obedience brought blessings in Simon's life. And when we are aligned in obedience and to God's word, his blessings will overflow our lives. All of our life. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. It's how the, the kingdom of God operates. He wants to bless you. But it requires us to go to him first. You know, one of the biggest stories I have, I have a lot of testimonies. And I share a lot of stories about my life. But the biggest testimony I probably have is the day I had to leave Holland, Michigan to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Where it's hot, by the way, okay. But I had to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I had to start a new journey with Jesus when I didn't even want to. When I didn't even feel like it. I didn't want to do any of that. And let me tell you something. I just simply said, okay, I will obey, I'll go. And because of that obedience, God has brought blessing after blessing after blessing. This is one of the bigger testimonies I've had, and that was a huge move. Now, in the natural, I was contemplating with God. I don't have money. I don't have a job. I don't have a place to stay. I don't even know where that's at in the map. I don't know. God, I'm sorry. It's not there. Geographically, I don't know. I'm lost. And you told me I'm found, so I'm not going to go lost. You know, I mean, I'm coming up with all these excuses of not to go. And not only that, the timeline was so short, it was like two weeks to go. And I remember I haven't even told my mom yet. 
And I'm like, well, I'm going to tell my mom. And I remember saying, Mom, I'm just, I finally decided to go. And I'm like, I'm going to Bible school. You know, she's like, oh, that's so awesome, you know, and happy for me. And then she says, oh, where's it going to be at, you know, and went, Tulsa, what? You know, and I remember her saying, okay, fine, if you think this is where you got to go, you know, well, how long do you have, uh, a week and a half? Like, what? <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's the natural. Things come up. But in, in the act of obedience, it always trumps anything in the natural. And God will take care of the people, the circumstances, the things when you act at his word and his way. It is an act of obedience that brought blessings, in, and personally in my life. And when you look at, uh, I think, a perfect illustration in the Bible, if I can kind of bring this again, tie this in to close it up, is Noah. Noah who built the ark. You know, Noah, the thing is, it wasn't just the grace of God that saved Noah, which God, grace was there the whole way. But it was an act of obedience that initiated everything that happened. And because of an act of obedience, he ended up saving himself and his family. I mean, Genesis 6-9 says, this is the account of Noah and the family. He says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And then I'll check this out, church. And he walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God. When you think about Noah's time, there was no rain yet. There was not, none of that was there yet. And so for God to tell him, build something because I'm going to flood this earth, and the natural seemed like, what are you talking about? See, we're used to it. We see it. I pray it in all the time, and it's here, okay? But at that time, it was just to do the ground that really fed the plants and the vegetation. So they've really never seen rain before. And so for him to build an ark and then to tell people what he's doing and then laugh at him, ridicule him, mock him, obedience is what kept him going. And because of an act of obedience, I will, I will build because you told me to build God. And I will be as detailed as you want me to be detailed. Him and his family were saved. Perfect illustration. You know, Romans 5, it references that Jesus, um, because of Jesus' obedience, we have been made right before God. That's something that we really, really can rest on. You know, Jesus also said, and I'll close it with this scripture. Jesus also said this in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. For us to see the power of God manifest, don't get me wrong, it is full access there for you. You have God's power already the moment you came to Christ. But for you to see the rubber hit the road in a sense and release that clutch, it requires you to act in obedience with him and his word. Okay? And I'm not talking about just good morals in life because anybody can do that. But what I'm saying is doing what he commands us to do. Acting the way he wants us to act. And relying on his strength and his spirit in this earth. When you do that, church, and I am a witness to this. When people say, can I get a witness? That's me right here, okay? Amen. That's what I'll yell. When you do that, and when you align everything up according to his word, he is faithful. He is just. He will always show himself through. But not only that, he will go beyond what you even could expect. Above what you could possibly expect. Because God is faithful and he is good to his children. Again, doing this in obedience and resting in the obedience of Christ is an act of worship and it's a demonstration of our faith in him 
And that speaks volumes to the world. When someone can say, why aren't you handling it this way? Shouldn't you be going whatever it is? Because I know I would. And because you said you can stand on the word and you have the, that in your heart, you're ministering to them without even using words. But the spirit is contagious and catching on them. I don't know how many times I had conversations of like, I, I wish I could be and, 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 and just like you, Jesse. I'm like, no, you don't want to be like Jesse. You want to be like Jesus. That's what it really is. Trust me, you don't want to be like Jesse. You want to be like Jesus. We'll be getting in trouble a whole lot. <laughs> but I say that because it really is a reflection of Christ in my life. Your story, your testimony is powerful. Don't count yourself out. You've gone through circumstances. You've gone through hell and back, if we can say that. But your obedience shows you're still here, that you're still standing up, that you're still walking. Remember what we just read about Noah? It says, and he walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God. They didn't acknowledge he was perfect. He did everything just according to what he know. He just simply walked faithfully, the walk with him. So he might have fell a couple of times, missed it a couple of times, but his walk was always there with God. And he had conversations with God. And I'm pretty sure God told him, no, that wasn't pretty cool, man. You should probably have not done that. You shouldn't have said that. But his walk was faithful with God. He was always walking with God. Even when he missed it with his words. Maybe he, there's a time where he got drunk in the Bible. But his walk was faithful with God. His walk was faithful with God. If your walk is faithful with God, whatever you go through and you trust in him, he will see you through to the other side. He says it will be okay. But you don't know what I'm going through. I got so much happening. I've gone through this. I've, if you, is your walk faithful with God? Because if it is, he will see you through and your boats will still be so blessed, you're going to have to pass it out to everybody else. Because that's the faithfulness of God. Your walk needs to be faithful with God. In other words, just keep his word close to your heart. Guard it with all you have. Meditate on his word. Practice his word. Practice his word and have a faithful walk with God. He'll do the rest. That is it. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head.